Welcome to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. Hello and welcome to Location Matters. My name's Sarah Butler and I'm here today to talk to you about Earth observations and particularly we're going to be talking about how Earth observations technology and data science can be applied within Indigenous communities here in Australia, which is really, really exciting. And to have this conversation with me, I have two of my colleagues who have been on the podcast before, but I'm going to ask them to reintroduce themselves in case we have new listeners on the podcast today. And that is Yvonne Fong from EO Data Science and Andrew Dowding, who is the Managing Director of Winyama. Hey, guys. Hey, Sarah. How are we today? Good. Pretty good? Yeah. Yeah, First podcast recording in a while. We're all feeling a little bit rusty, which is totally fine. Um, But I'm really excited that you're both here today because I think you both have an exciting project ahead of you from what I've heard, but we're going to talk about that in a little bit more detail. But it sounds like a wonderful, wonderful opportunity at the moment for Indigenous communities here in Australia. But let's talk first about Earth Observations for a minute. Yvonne, since you work at EO Data Science, which is a brand that harnesses EO to make positive impacts in the world, can you explain to our listeners who may not be familiar with what EO is, what it is exactly? So EO stands for Earth Observations. What it is in a nutshell is observing the Earth, basically. So it's anything that lets you observe like physical changes, chemical changes, um, biological changes of, of the Earth. So things like from something like your rain radar that you get from your weather forecast, um, the rain stations that measure the amount of rain that comes in, um, to things like drones and satellite images that let you see what the earth looks like from the top. So you can monitor vegetation or sea level rise and things like that. These are all earth observations. Awesome. And Andrew, was earth observation something that was on your radar at all whatsoever when you started your business, Winyama? Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, I've, um, there's a context to Earth observation in the Indigenous space for me, um, which, is really, which really started when I was doing cultural mapping with, with elders up in the Pilbara. And yeah, we were doing, I was doing a couple of projects through um, the East Pilbara and I was working with a set of elders who were recording song lines. And yeah, as we were as we were working through the projects, like I started to realise there that the the songline texts that they were they wanting to record were really about observations on the on the earth at really landscape level. So they were talking about like big meteorological events that happen in the area, like so you know the different cloud covers and the different types of clouds. But then like sort of like landscape, or like big sort of flood changes to the landscape as well. There was stuff about that. And then there was these other kind of observations that people were having and recording in song lines about like big changes to landscape because of the fires that were sweeping through. And there was kind of, yes, talk about different types of fires that people were either harnessing or that were, were being lit like by wildfire. And so started to realise that, yeah, there was a lot of science to it and a lot of observation over, over huge amounts of time, like generations potentially um, of, of kind of observations on the earth. And people were storing that in, um, yeah, in kind of cultural forms. And just kind of having a window into that was the first time I thought, oh, wow, that people, people are really storing up um, sets of observations over time in cultural form. So fast forward to now... 
and you've got this team of people who work with you who are all really, really awesome and wonderful and innovative and creative people. And you've coined this term First Nations Earth Observations. Can you explain to me what that is now? Yeah, well, I mean, First Nations EO really got was born out of the Indigenous mapping workshops that we were holding. And it's been going for now, it's into its fourth year next year. So we've, we've had this kind of cohort of people that have come from, you know, really entry-level mapping, um, you know, using Google Earth or using, like, intro to QGIS. And then every time they come back to us, they keep saying, like, what's next? <laughs> like, what's next? What's next? Um, what can I learn that's, that's new? And that really is where we started to go, oh, okay, well, what is, what's happening in the geospace? Um, and watching, you know, even NGIS and the EO data science team forming here really started to formulate this idea for me that we should be looking at EO in the Indigenous space as well. And kind of, yeah, that's that's the kind of a space that, you know, where, where we created, um, yeah, First Nations EO. Yeah, awesome, Andrew. Thank you. And I'm kind of interested to hear from you, Yvonne, because you've been working on the GOGEE program, which we've heard about a lot on the podcast. And if anyone doesn't know what that is, we have a number of episodes about the GOGE program but basically Yvonne has been working with groups all around the world um, with different objectives um, many who don't have a lot of budget to make earth-changing outcomes possible um, who have won these grants to do amazing wonderful things with earth observations and data science how have you seen people who wouldn't typically have access to these tools utilizing earth observations to create positive change and then maybe from there, Andrew, you can talk to me about how you think, what you think are the opportunities for Indigenous communities in terms of utilising this science. Yeah, um, there have been such a variety of projects. There's so many possibilities with of observations from things like um, in the, on the disaster management side of things, there's wildfire monitoring, flood monitoring, um, there's also on the climate change side of things, people are monitoring polar ice caps and sea level rise using Earth observations. Even groups using Earth observations to look at um, poverty levels. And a lot of these, what Earth observations allows these groups to do is to monitor places that they are not actually located at, like they're not actually living in Antarctica to monitor the ice caps melting. And to reach remote communities as well, they're able to monitor changes in those communities using Earth observations. And Andrew, how do you think the science could be applied when you hear that from Yvonne mm. within Australia's Indigenous communities, particularly those that are regional or remote? Yeah, yeah, no, all those use cases are like perfect ones for Indigenous Australians to to kind of be, be a part of and, and in fact, you know, kind of be at the forefront of. Um, I think those ones you talked about, Yvonne, like the fire ones, like are really a big a big thing, like also because of the, the kind of savannah burning projects that are happening through the sort of northern arc of Australia. There's a lot of uh, opportunities for people in the carbon market um, who need to manage the fire regime and kind of and baseline that as well and kind of understand the change over time. Um, so yeah, I see. I see. Like the yeah, the flood space is definitely another you know that kind of emergency response space a, a bit. But I think the the really specific use cases that are emerging through the um, through the research that we're doing is um, is yeah really like people are strongly thinking about the heritage protection use case and how um, 
how Earth Observation can sort of remotely monitor heritage sites that people are worried about. And like you're saying, exactly like you're saying, um, the idea that people can't just be out on country all the time, but yet there's a sort of almost like a set of eyes monitoring places that are either sacred or places that are like a kind of no-go zone for areas or like like areas that they need protected. Um, and I feel like, yeah, just introducing the idea of earth observation to communities, that that's been like a natural or kind of organic um, thing that they've thought through, that they've, they've, they've wanted out of this. And so, yeah, we're really interested in how that, you know, that, that informs the kind of, uh, you know, the, the development of this space. But one of the other things I think is, is really interesting too is the is that Aboriginal communities are already sort of dabbling in a range of earth observation spaces, like especially in the drone space. People have, we, we understand there's so many different drones out there and people kind of have access to some of this technology but aren't quite un, don't quite get the how it integrates into earth observation or sort of in, you know, is an earth observation kind of tool. So that's been some of the ways what we've been doing is trying to introduce those ideas to people and really kind of, yeah, trying to just kind of like, yeah, educate people about the sector and the concepts that are around that sector. So, Yeah, because your team's been doing a lot of phone calls, right, to your Indigenous Mapping Workshop cohort asking about interest and trying to see if there is interest in this. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and have you heard anything about maybe groups that are, are using satellite imagery but already but don't didn't realise that there's a whole other component and element of what they could be doing with that satellite imagery that they didn't know was possible? Yeah, there's there's a fair bit of that actually. I mean, the we did target the phone calls at people through our Indigenous mapping workshop. So we, we kind of understood the space that they were already operating in. Um, but um, and, and we have seen in the past, over the past few years, that people have noted in the kind of columns which we ask, uh, in the questions that we ask, like we say, um, what sort of data are you using? And some people are talking about like Sentinel data or using the NAFI website, which is a Northern Australian Fire Institute website. So we kind of understand that people are already, yeah, like I say, dabbling, but already using earth observation tools and um, web platforms that have been built. But... Uh, but no one's really kind of coined the term for First Nations EO and kind of thought about how we'd network all of those people together so that they all can kind of um, begin to talk about these tools together. Yeah, sounds like there's a lot of potential in this space. Um, you mentioned before, Yvonne, about sea level rise, and I think that's a really interesting one as well to look at just for Australia as a whole. Have you guys seen the ABC report that came out recently for Torres Strait? Yeah, yep. yeah, we did. Yeah, you did, yeah. Because they're having a really hard time at the moment trying to communicate to policymakers about how bad the sea level rise is there. This sounds like the perfect way that they could use science to communicate that. Would you agree? Definitely. And, yeah, I think the other thing with Earth observations, especially with satellite imagery as well, because it, it goes back, by now it goes back maybe 40, 50 years, you can build time series and build a model out of that, make predictions, and it can be something that's very powerful to communicate the science. Yeah, I think people respond really well to, to visuals like that and I, th I feel like it has more impact. What do you think, Andrew, because I feel like with a lot of the work you're doing at Winyama and through Indigenous Mapping Workshop and the way that you train people, you tend to lean towards more of these very highly visual mapping technologies, not your typical Arcgis-Cugis kind of thing where 
we're not really looking at landscapes and colours and elevation and you're not really seeing those features, maybe like in 3D, for instance. What is it um, in your mind that earth observations and, and that imagery can provide traditional owners with that traditional mapping can't provide? Oh, look, I think, yeah, this this idea that, um, like like I mentioned before, this idea that Indigenous communities have quite a store of earth observation in them in their cultural and um, you know in their in their in their own science, and that's you know in their either in song lines or in in even just in like oral traditions that are passed down to to um, you know to the younger generation. And I think that that is really the key to kind of what we're trying to do is like match what Yvonne's talking about with the with the kind of yeah the visual record over the last 50 years that um you know tools like google earth engine can give you um where you have yeah access to 50 year old satellite imagery up until t- you know right on almost you know th- you know um, satellite imagery which is taken today at you know maybe even like hours ago kind of thing um so like really accurate satellite imagery over many years is, is a really interesting thing to match up with indigenous science as well. So I think I think that's what we're really out to do is to kind of not not to bring some really um, you know a strange concept to people, but rather say like you guys have observations in your communities over generations. Let's match that up with current tools and see what you guys think about, um, you know, the outcome. Like, what, what, what does it give you in terms of how you want to manage your, your land or what does it do for, for your, um, yeah, what ideas do you have about what you need to manage? Mm. What do you feel have been the barriers for entry to use technology like this, in your, in your opinion? And, well, and then I'm interested to hear from you, Yvonne, if that kind of lines up with what you've heard from groups all over the world as well. Yeah, well, what's interesting that I've found through this, um, through the research that we've done with the SmartSat group um, and Frontier SI has been that, like, the people are using these tools. Like, people are using some sets of tools. Like, um, Yvonne talked about the weather monitoring. Like, in the last couple of years, like, the BOM, you know, the Bureau of Meteorology website is, like, the most visited you know, website in Australia. And so, like, these tools are really out there. And I know that in, in the Indigenous space, like NAFI, people know that, um, you know, that institute up in, um, up in Darwin and it's really well utilised. But I think, so, that, so it's not like that there's a huge barrier, but I think that there's been a, a lot of use of these tools in the research space. And it's not really, it's, it's now only really starting to come out of the research space and into the, you know, what we call the market, I guess, but like just like pulled out of the research area and so in this kind of very highly academic space um, and just put in the hands of people now. And I think that's exciting at the moment, at this particular moment. And and what we've seen during the surveys that we did through the First Nations EO um, work was that people do, like we, 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 didn't we, Yvonne, we looked through like what web portals were out there we yep. actually realise there's quite a few, like there's quite a few resources out there that are free or online people can access. So it's just really about education and getting to know the kind of tool sets, I think. Yeah, and I think people are using all these web applications that are built on Earth observations data, but they don't realise it. Things like looking at the rain radar, they don't realise there's so many other possibilities you can use, you can, um, other use cases um, using that data. Um, they're just looking at this one application that's built on the web yeah and I think I think that that is really part of this work for us is like kind of trying just to understand the landscape what is out there what is currently known like what is what do people know uh, when they think of earth observation and then it's like yeah what about 
yeah, bomb. Uh, that's an Earth observation site. Like, no one thought to say that's we use that on a daily basis. Um, and that's part of this space. So I think, yeah, it's about that there's, there are barriers in terms of, yeah, like, um, you know, for Aboriginal organisations out in the bush, like not having access to good internet and fast internet and stuff like that, and, and even just computers. Um, well, and training too, right? Yeah, and th- that's right. The, the training part is the bit that we're trying to fill. The niche is really about, firstly, about just understanding what the landscape is and the use cases and how they relate to communities and the work that they're doing. Um, but then I think there is a next step about, okay, well, you use NAFI for this particular use case, but what, what other ones would you use mm. if you had other What if tools? you could build it yourself? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, introducing that idea. So we did ask about what the level of kind of coding and kind of like the bit, uh, you know, what level um, Indigenous people have in terms of, um, yeah, like their tech kind of experience. We were hoping to hear back that people have a little bit of understanding of coding and that, that would lead to the kind of idea of building applications for yourself. Well, that's a that's a great question, isn't it? Because what what are the minimum requirements you feel of on that people would need in order to just get started? Oh, I mean... Get started is a it's get, very I mean, broad gets term. a very broad <laughs> term, yeah. I mean, in terms of, like, if someone that's never touched, you know, a tool like Google Earth Engine before, yep. um, is it, you know, basic coding? What code would they need to know in order to use Google Earth Engine? Like, what, what are the kinds of things that people would need to know to feel semi-confident? Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely, it's not that hard to get started, really. It's basic JavaScript. They also have a Python API if people are more comfortable using Python um, with Google Earth Engine. Um, yeah, building an application that gets a bit more complex, but just to do some basic analyses, looking up some satellite imagery and comparing it across different years, that's something that I think can be easily picked up by anyone. Yeah, mm. awesome. And that we, we targeted, we're trying to kind of understand that space for our own Indigenous Mapping Workshop cohort to see where it, where it changes from, yeah, just like getting on tools like QGIS and ArcGIS to kind of do manual comparison almost, or, or like even Google Earth, like with the slider tool that, that's yep. built in, um, and then going, all right, well, what's what's next for the cohort that's techie and how do we flip them into First Nations EO and start a basic training about, and, and building courses that are designed for that really entry-level Earth observation space? Exciting times for us, but that's that's kind of where the future is for our... Uh, that brand. Awesome. Andrew, can you tell me a little bit about how Frontier SI and SmartSat are involved in this project? Yeah, we, we um, so Winyama pitched a project essentially to SmartSat um, CRC and, um, and that was to do exactly what we've just done over the past uh, four months now, which was really to understand the First Nations EO landscape in Australia. And so really that work was to yeah, to work closely with EO Data Science to understand it for ourselves as well and then to kind of design a survey which was kind of fit for purpose for our you know, Indigenous Mapping Workshop attendees. And then, um, yeah, so we went out and then we had a range of people from the office call people up from communities and say, hey, would you like to do this survey with us to understand First Nation EO understandings about this, this space? And, um, and, yeah, we got some good responses and we're kind of collating that now down into a into a report for SmartSat and really with the out- outcome would be really for us to 
understand this space so that we can build out those entry-level courses that we were talking about and offer them to communities for free. Yeah, that was my next question. You've already answered it, which is what's the next step? <laughs> what's next? Yeah, look, we see, we see this as a important tool set for communities, especially like um, native title groups and ranger groups um, in their workspaces. And um, we just want to be able to get keep those organisations skilled and even if it's just working with partners that they that they work with, like um, who are who are operating in this space, so that they can understand the language that they use and the kind of tool sets. But you know, the ultimate goal really is to train Aboriginal people in this space um, and to kind of yeah to get them thinking about the possibilities that Earth observation bring. And what's the involvement of EO Data Science in this project? What's the collaboration happening there? Yeah, so. We are providing the EO expertise, um, whereas Vinyama is focused on the cultural side of things. And yes, I'm I'm very excited to be working with Vinyama on this research into what the landscape currently is and from there building up training courses for IMW. We've really um, relied on Yvonne and Rory from EO Data Science to kind of give us just their, their snapshot as well of this space. Um, like Yvonne's been doing awesome work training uh, in the, the in the program that you mentioned before, um, and I think we're trying to learn from that um, and apply it to the to the space that we operated in. So it's been a it's been a great collab. It's been a great learning journey for me as well, um, learning of all these use cases and possibilities within um, the indigenous communities. Yeah, and like Andrew said, you have been doing a lot of training for people and delivering that to people all over the world um, who are. I guess in maybe evolved past where this project is at the moment, but definitely started out with a cross-section of people who were maybe semi-confident and people who weren't confident at all. So it sounds like you have a lot of resources available to help. Yeah, for sure. Um, We've been running a lot of training courses from foundations for people that have never used um, Google Earth Engine or observation data before up to advanced um, causes for people with a bit more experience and we've got a YouTube playlist with um, Earth Engine tips as well that people can jump onto if they're interested in learning and trying out Google Earth Engine. Andrew, do you have any tips or resources or anything you want to share with anyone that might be listening that wants to learn more about First Nations EO? Yeah, we just through the um, surveys that we did, we did have we did uncover a few um, web portals which we might post up as part of this. Um, yeah, which cover a range of different use cases and be yeah up to the listeners to to go in and have a look at that. And, but I think that's been one of the great parts of this this uh, early journey is just understanding what tools are out there and um and we really just want to share that at the moment and then um, yeah go into that deeper level over this next into twenty twenty two. I think about what's what's next. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's also some blogs available on the Winyama website that kind of give a high-level view of what First Nations EO is. It would be helpful. And I'm sure, Yvonne, you've got some blogs and things that you could share from EO Data Science. We'll link all of that in the show notes. Um, but I think that we'll leave it there for today, guys. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. I'm super excited to see where it goes. Maybe next season we have you guys back on again and you can let us know what the update is and what stage you're at. Um, But thank you so much, Yvonne and Andrew, for being here. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, Sarah. 
And if you like what you hear and you enjoy listening to Location Matters, don't forget that you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and now Google Podcasts too. See you next time. You've been listening to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS covering the world of mapping and location technology. To find more episodes or to read our blog, check out our website, ngis.com.au.